Welcome to the TPS 5 for the week of April 6th. TPS 5 is a weekly recap of the latest in marketing, communications, and digital healthcare news as curated by the expert hosts of the Touchpoint Media Network. To learn more about Touchpoint Media, visit us online at touchpoint.health. Our lead story is from the Harvard Business Review, and it's entitled, What Will U.S. Healthcare Look Like After the Pandemic? This is a thought-provoking article on what the American healthcare system might look like once the current pandemic has passed. The COVID-19 crisis has highlighted the heroic efforts of those on the front line of healthcare, and it's clear that there is more battle ahead. But when we move through this public health emergency, what lessons can the American health system learn from the challenges we faced due to the spread of COVID-19? First, in response to the crisis, we have seen healthcare move outside the walls of the health system. It is even being practiced in areas that have never been considered before, from parking lot, drive-up diagnostic testing, conversions of hotels and dormitories to hospitals, convention centers, and even parks. Healthcare is now being delivered right in our communities. Older regulations and laws that have long constrained the American healthcare system were eased during this pandemic, the biggest of which is CMS, which previously had limited the ability for providers to be paid for telemedicine services. It has now increased its coverage of such services, with many private insurers following their lead. To support this, both state and federal governments are relaxing the requirements that physicians have to have a separate license for each state in which they practice. This naturally led to a widespread adoption and increase in telemedicine solutions. These changes, along with the need for social distancing, is driving traditional providers to give telemedicine a try. For our health system to truly embrace the potential for change, physicians and hospitals must realize that telemedicine is not an inferior substitute for face-to-face care, but rather simply a different technology to use when delivering care. Their experiences during this pandemic could help bring about this change. The other question is whether they will be reimbursed fairly for it after the pandemic is over. And at this point, CMS is only committed to relaxing restrictions on telemedicine reimbursement for the duration of the public health emergency. And hopefully that change becomes longstanding. This may largely depend on how existing providers embrace this new model during this period of increased use due to necessity. Another change is the expansion of the notion of what a healthcare provider is. Prior to our pandemic, providers were experiencing high levels of burnout, and one of the drivers of this trend was the need for physicians to manage a host of non-clinical issues related to their patients' social determinants of health. The pandemic has simultaneously created a surge in demand for healthcare due to spikes in hospitalization and diagnostic testing, while also reducing clinical capacity, particularly as healthcare workers contract the viruses themselves. This increased mismatch between patients' needs and provider capacity highlights one of the most pervasive inadequacies of the U.S. healthcare system. To expand capacity, hospitals have redirected physicians and nurses who were previously dedicated to elective treatments to help care for COVID patients. Non-clinical staff have also been pressed into duty to help with patient triage, and even fourth-year medical students have been offered the opportunity to graduate early and join the front. Outside of hospitals, the need to collect and process samples for COVID-19 tests have caused a spike in demand for diagnostic services and staff. Nonprofit and military organizations have also deployed staff and volunteers to help support clinical efforts around the country. And considering that patients that are recovering from COVID-19 and other healthcare ailments may increasingly be directed away from these skilled nursing facilities, the need for additional home health workers can only skyrocket. We only hope that this crisis will convince our system and those who regulate it that important aspects of care can be provided by those without advanced clinical degrees. Lastly, we need an entirely new model of health insurance. 
The current crisis has exposed yet another inadequacy of our current system of health insurance. It is built on the assumption that at any given time, a limited and predictable portion of the population will need a relatively known mix of healthcare services. Our health insurance model is not built to cover healthcare spending during this mass pandemic when patients with urgent needs must descend upon providers at unprecedented rates. While insurance companies continue to collect premium payments for covered enrollees, massive reductions in elective procedures and office visits have eliminated a major source of their cash outflows. And most insurers are moving to models that temporarily relieve patients of copayments and deductibles while also guaranteeing coverage for COVID-19 costs. But what about the costs that hospitals face that cannot be cleanly attributed to a single patient? There was a recent proposal that suggested the approach of insurers providing hospitals with global payments that roughly reflect the historical monthly amounts that they have paid those hospitals in recent years. Such an effort would put much-needed cash in hand for hospitals whose normal source of revenue have been evaporated. While such approaches may help offset some of the financial losses hospitals are facing now, they are, as the article states, a band-aid placed over the larger wound of the health insurance model that does not insure patients in moments when their risk of health are at peak. The article is clear to state that this is not a movement to universal health care, but rather more of a tax assessed to insurers to fund emergency response. But what I find interesting is that in this crisis, we have made a move toward universal health care, albeit in treating just one symptom, that is COVID-19. Is this the first domino moving us toward advancing a more equitable way to reimburse healthcare for all Americans? You can read the full article in the show notes. Other headlines from this week. The Medical Futurist published an article entitled How Germany Leveraged Digital Health to Combat COVID-19, which highlights some of the reasons why Germany ranks among the top in terms of most coronavirus cases per capita, but the lowest in terms of fatal cases. These include clear, transparent communication from the federal government and medical teams, early intervention and widespread testing, and a widespread adoption of digital health, including telemedicine, remote patient monitoring, automated chatbots, and even using AI to review countrywide patient data to determine at-risk populations. MHealthIntelligence.com featured an article this week entitled, Coronavirus Gives People a Reason to Use Telehealth, But Doubts Still Remain. Here are some takeaways from a survey they recently conducted on the awareness and use of telehealth. More than half of those surveyed said their health insurer now provides telehealth. Almost three quarters said they have been adequately informed on how to use telehealth. Aside from cost and availability, more than 36% of those surveyed said they choose telehealth because it either allows them to see a care provider without going to the doctor's office, or they'd be able to get a diagnosis without sitting in a waiting room with other patients. But more than 41% said they aren't convinced the platform will properly diagnose and treat them. Check the link in the show notes for more. The New York Times shared some interesting data in their article entitled, The Virus Changed the Way We Internet. And it showed in part that we are looking for more ways to entertain ourselves, but not on our phones. We are connecting more through video chat, no surprise. And we're also seeking more ways to get reliable information through local news sites about information that's happening in our communities. Lastly, in this week's Touchpoint podcast, Reed and I share scientific studies on how consumers behave during a crisis and how health systems need to adjust their persona types to address these new consumer segments. That's it for today's TPS 5. If you like the latest in healthcare news and want it in a readable format delivered to your inbox, be sure to subscribe to our e-newsletter, The TPS Report. That's available on the Touchpoint Media website at touchpoint.health. Plus, 
you can learn more about all the other podcasts on our network. Stay safe, keep staying at home, please wear a facial covering when going out in public, and we'll see you next Friday.